Uh, it is great to be with you this morning. I was re been really looking forward to it. The date has been in the diary for a wee while. And it's just great to join with you on this Sunday morning. I have to say, I was in a wee bit of a dilemma as to how to spend the time. Uh, time is precious, and uh, I'm sure you don't want a visiting speaker that keeps you here much longer than you're used to. So how do I spend the time? How do I tell you stories about what's happening across Scripture Union? And how do I also take a bit of time to just, what, what has God got to say to us as well? And so um, I've decided that I'm going to spend most of my time this morning uh, looking at a story from the Bible. But I didn't want to miss this opportunity to share a little bit about SU. And so in, in your pews, there are little cards. And if you flip them over, there's a website I would love you to check out this afternoon or this week. It is packed full of stories. We took a typical week in the life of SU, and every day we put up a video. Some days it's our school's work. Some days it's what's happening in our camp submissions. Some stories of our staff, our volunteers. I would love you to check it out. Um, I love when I go to churches and I love hearing stories of people talked about Newcastle schism or some of you maybe done some of the North Coast schisms or maybe camps. Uh, some of you I know are involved in your SU in your schools. Some of you were involved in your SU in schools. Come and see the stories. Come and see what is happening right now. Two minute videos, little articles, little interviews. Um, I, we would love you to find out more and love you to be involved. But this morning, I want to start at the table. I love having people round for dinner. And I have to confess, it's not because I'm good at cooking um, or the tidying of the house beforehand, though when you have people round for dinner, it is a good excuse for that tidy beforehand. It's the chat. I love the chat around the table. Um, you know when you go to somebody's house and the good tablecloth is out, the napkins, the special, you know you're going to be there for a while. And so you know the chat is going to be good. I love that sense of being together, of sharing life, good chats, plenty of laughter, plenty of crack. We need that, don't we? We need those times when we are ourselves. We need those times when we're with people that we know and care about deeply. So this morning, I want to tell you a couple of stories. Um, Main, the main one is from the Bible, but some other stories from my life or that I've come across, but together helping us explore something more about God. I don't know what you think of him or how you perceive him, but I find him to be more welcoming than we realize, more patient than we care to consider, and more forgiving than we ever want to acknowledge. But let's consider those things for ourselves. And as I begin, let me simply pray may we know more of you today. I'll come back to the table at the end. Um, I want to read you a story tucked away in the middle of Luke 15, a story you will know well under the title of the prodigal son. Again, slight panic, realized that Stocky had spoken on this last Sunday. I thought, oh my goodness, either Fitzroy really need to hear this story or I really need to change what I'm going to say. Had a listen to what uh, Steve shared um, uh, during the week and I hope this will complement it. I couldn't help but think maybe it's a coincidence or maybe God is saying to you as a group, this is a story for you. The Prodigal Son is up there with one of the old classics. Uh, it's up there with David and Goliath, Joseph and his technicolour dream coat, and the wee boy with his packed lunch. 
Uh, for those of us who have grown up in church circles, we know these stories inside out. We've grown fond of them. Maybe you have memories of fuzzy felt or dramas with tea towels, children's Bible story books. In some ways, they were our first learnings of God. And it can be a bit of nostalgia to whip these stories out in the same way as at Christmas we watch Miracle on 34th Street or It's a Wonderful Life. There's a coziness to these stories. So in some ways, why bother? Should we just cut our losses and head home? Will anything change because we take time to look at this parable? But I wonder, could we be open? Could we push through the familiarity of this story and allow this parable to come afresh into your life, into my life, and for us to live differently in the light of it? It's a big ask, but let's read the story and see how we get on. If you can turn with me to Luke 15, um, or sit back and listen, and listen to this story afresh. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons, The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went, hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out, I will go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to servants, quick, Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Jesus' storytelling is fascinating. They're not just simple tales. He is trying to unlock the secrets of heaven. He was trying to open up the ears of the listeners to life in all its fullness. This story is not just for you, but it's also for you to pass on. The story of the lost son is a story of many people, a story of many nations, tribes, countries that lose their way. It's a story of a man or a woman who loses sight of what they have in God and wants their own thing. It's a story many of us have found ourselves swallowed up by circumstances that seem to be spiraling out of control, as if we could control the world anyway. It's a story not just of our yesterdays, but maybe our tomorrows. 
It's a story that's not just for us, but for the generations that follow. And maybe this story hints at what the whole book is about, the whole story, the love of the father for his children. Maybe this story opens our eyes to the dream, the other world, the greater calling, the great hope, the actual reality of life in all its fullness. So let's tilt our ears and listen to this story of Jesus. If parables are about unlocking keys to heaven, why does Jesus tell the story? What does he want to unlock? What does God want us to know? Let me tell you another story. Um, You might recognize it from a book that came out a while ago. There once was a rabbit called Dawn Rabbit. Dawn Rabbit went to Slumptown Coffee every morning. One morning at Slumptown, Dawn Rabbit saw Lovely Carrot. And Dawn Rabbit decided to chase Lovely Carrot. But Lovely Carrot was very fast. Dawn Rabbit chased Lovely Carrot all over Oregon. All over America, all the way to New York. Dawn Rabbit chased Lovely Carrot all the way to the moon. And Dawn Rabbit was very, very tired. With one last burst of strength, Dawn Rabbit lunged at Lovely Carrot. And Dawn Rabbit caught Lovely Carrot. The moral of the story is if you work hard, stay focused and never give up, you will eventually get what you want in life. Unfortunately, shortly after the story was told, Dawn Rabbit choked on the carrot and died. So the second moral of the story is, sometimes the things we want in life are the things that will kill us. Sometimes there is more than one ending to a story. Sometimes we believe one ending, but we live another. Sometimes there is more than one ending to a story. Sometimes we believe one ending, but we live another. Let's look at this story again. Can I tell you it again? Jesus tells us a story of a younger son who took his inheritance early, left home and had a blast. He lived, loved, spent, spent, spent. And then famine struck the whole country and he found himself beyond help. He was the lowest of the low, took the job of the hired hand to feed pigs for a living. Even the food of his pigs seemed good. This was a guy who was beyond his depths. And I don't know how long it took, but as he thought about home, he remembered that his father looked after his servants better than this. And if he went home and became a hired hand to his dad, that would be better than this. So he headed home. And it seems his dad saw him coming and ran out to meet his son. And when they were close enough to touch, the dad... The dad threw out his arms and gave his son the toughest punch he could, straight across the jawline, and then he looked at his fallen son at his feet. How dare you return? I have waited for an apology for years now, and it never came. You wished me dead. Well, now I am to you. I am dead to you. I want you to get up. I want you to walk away. Only at this time, it is I who am throwing you off. You have brought me shame, taken my inheritance and wishing me dead. You have sullied the family name as you've lived up. 
Did you think I wouldn't hear about what was going on and what you're up to? The father, with tears in his eyes, turned around and slowly walked back to his home. The son lay on the ground, stunned into silence. And yet, in his gut, he knew his dad was right. Why did he think he could come back? Who did he think he was kidding? He didn't deserve to come as a hired hand. He didn't deserve to be back in the family home. He had made the greatest mistake of his life. And now he would have to pay for it forever. He would live as an orphan, live in his own. Would he live? Who knows? But he brought this on himself and there was no one else to blame. The lost son was lost forever. Sometimes there is more than one ending to the story. Sometimes we believe one ending, but we live another. Isn't this really the story we believe? Isn't this really the story we tell each other? Isn't this really the story we tell ourselves? The story we live? We wander far from God. We fear the reception if we turn back. We are hesitant to return. We live from a place of limited love and we struggle to love others, love ourselves. Because have we really tasted the all-consuming, never-ending love of the Father? And would we trust it if we had? We wander as orphans. Yes, Jesus told this story, but he didn't really mean us to know how much the Father loved us. And if he loved that much, surely I'd be different because of it. I mean, even the older son didn't see how much he was loved and he lived with the father. Sometimes we believe one ending and we live another. Which one do you live? I know my story isn't the one that Jesus told, but it's better, isn't it? It's truer. I mean, when we, when we make a mistake, we count the cost. Love has limits. It's not really wild and unconditional. I mean, I let people, all the do- let people down all the time. Who am I to believe that God is any different? It's easier this way. You get what you deserve. You get to be king of your own world. Even if it goes pear-shaped, there's no one else to blame but yourself. And in some way, it's comforting because you're under the illusion that I am in control. We may never have money to squander, or maybe we do. We will never have had the high life, or maybe we will. We never buy friends. Maybe we do. But I wonder, have you found yourself in a distant land? I wonder, have you woken up and found yourself poverty-stricken where the levels of life are empty? Maybe you wouldn't have called yourself the lost son in the traditional sense, but I wonder, does this story echo with mine, echo with yours? When you find yourself there, what do you think God is doing? What do you think he's thinking? What reception do you expect? When I was in my final year of school, I had a part-time job in a mace store down the road. And it was great when I got my test because mum would drop the car down. And then when I was finished my shift, I could uh, drive myself home. And so one particular night, finished my shift and headed home. And it was just a really short drive to the state where we lived. And as I turned uh, the car into the drive, I realized I just got the angle wrong. And I could hear the car clashing against the side of the gate. I do not know what angle I come in, but it was one of those, if I go forward, I'm going to scratch the car. If I reverse, I'm going to scratch the car. 
So I breathed in like that makes any difference. I breathed in and just drove forward slowly and I could hear the scrape um, of the gate against the car. I stopped the car, I got out, went into the house, went straight to my bedroom. I can remember pacing up and down my bedroom thinking, I'm going to have to tell them, I'm going to have to tell them. And they're going to say, Helen, we've told you, or they're going to give me that look, you know the look that parents give you that's, oh, worse than words. So, knocked on the bedroom door, um, I went in, I said, I'm really sorry, it is completely my fault. I came in at the wrong angle and I have scraped the car against the gate. And my dad went, oh, don't worry. He pulled on a jumper, he went outside to look, he came back in, he goes, it's fine, don't worry. I was knocked for six. I was expecting a lecture, I was expecting crosswords, but instead I received this calm acceptance. We live in a world today that teaches us to value independence. We strive to be financially independent. We have to have enough money to pay your rent or your mortgages, to go on holiday, to buy stuff. We strive to be emotionally independent, whatever that means. It used to mean that you could buy clothes without asking your mum, did it look okay? We find it easier to build walls that risk the pain of another broken relationship, another hurt, another letdown. And as bitter as it might sound, the pain of relationships is real. And so we avoid the pain at all costs. We've bought into the lies of this age and we lose out on the gracious, generous nature of God. That ending that I told you, it isn't the ending. And it is a waste of time to hold on to it. There is only one ending to that story. And it's a painful one because it asks us to let someone love us. It asks us to give up our warped sense of justice. It asks us to respond, to love like the Father, to be generous, to be patient, to be constant. Unlocking the secrets of heaven aren't there to make us feel cosy. Unlocking the secrets of heaven open up our eyes and our ears to God that leaves an indelible mark on our lives and we are spoilt to live any other way. When you are loved like this, what other way can you respond? Sometimes we believe one ending, but we live another. The star of this story is the son. The key character to watch is not the prodigal, it's the father. The father sets the tone for this whole story. And it's the same with our lives. I focus on me, what's going on in my life. And even when I read the Bible, sometimes I jump too quickly into, what does this have to say to me? And over recent years, I've been trying to stop and go, what does it tell me about God first? The father sets the tone. And if that, if that is the case in this story, is it the case in our lives? Does he set the tone in your life? Maybe the backdrop to this, as you consider the story and the story of your life, is the Father setting the tone in your story? Are you changed because of his presence? Jesus says, When he was a long way off, the father saw him, was filled with compassion and ran to the son and threw his arms around him and welcomed him. What a welcome. What a reception. 
Does this give you an insight into the Father? Does this change you? How has it changed you? How is it changing you? How is the full acceptance of the Father changing you? Have you had this embrace? Are you different because of it? For surely we can't come face to face with such love and not be a different person. It might sit uncomfortably with us, the gracious mercy of God. It might sit uncomfortably with us because we get a reception we don't deserve. But we need the beauty of these stories. I need the beauty of God in my life. I needed to know this as a child. I need to know this as an adult. Because reality means I wander far from home at times. And I need to know the God of the universe is not human in his limits of love or thinking or power. The God of the universe is different than you and me. He is bigger, more generous than I can comprehend. And in those moments when I turn back, in those moments when I need to return to his arms, in those moments I get an insight into the great heart of the Father. How well do you know him? How would you describe him? Do you know him well enough to second guess his reactions? This story, this parable, is a window into the character of God. Are you looking? Did you notice at the beginning of the account, it starts with the words of the Pharisees. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus allows his stories to follow to explain why. Because this is a God with a heart filled with compassion. You are welcome, he says. Come. God is generous with his love. I want to not just believe Jesus' ending, but to live it too. And live in the generous love of God. And that's partly why this parable has been sitting uncomfortably with me. Because it calls us to love. It calls us to be like this. It's too easy to shut down and hide when life throws us a curveball or someone shatters your heart. But I want to be able to pick myself up. I want you to be able to pick yourself up and love again. This is not just about boy-girl stuff. This is the stuff of friendship, of community, of church. It's how we treat our colleagues, our neighbours, even strangers, about how we treat ourselves. You are watched by the God who longs for you to come at him so he can throw his arms around you and kiss you. At the end of the story, the gifts the father gives his son, the robe, the ring, the sandals, God is reminding us of our position and acceptance. We are invited back home to stay. The truths of the story are echoed all over this book. Do you see the patience with which God loves? I love in the story how the father waits. Sometimes this is an area I struggle with the most. God never seems to be in a rush. He is happy to wait. Is that the luxury of living outside of time, that time has no hold, no relevance? Because sometimes I just think he doesn't work quick enough. I lack patience. And the more I learn, the more I realize I'm hopeless at this. I need to know God waits. Because it actually gives us a deep, deep reassurance. He is watching out. We need to know this story. We need to know this stuff because things in life will rock us, probably already have. 
circumstances, people will shape your tree. Your roots need to go deep. You are always welcome and his love never runs out. God pours himself across the pages of this book, accounts of history, people's life stories, quotes and tales to give us insight into the God of gods. Do we listen? Will we hear? Will we live in the assurance that God is bigger than our age? He is beyond, beyond the limits or boundaries of love. He cannot run out of love or stop loving because he is a God of compassion. Will you allow this nature of God to infiltrate yours? Will you be as generous with your love? Will you love and keep on loving? Seek in him. Will you return? Will you come back? Will you trust in the father of all fathers? Will you live the ending? Sometimes there's more than one ending to a story. Sometimes we believe one ending, yet we live another. Am I prepared for this parable to come afresh into my life, for me to live differently because of it? Which ending will you live? Can I return to the table that I started at? As the story of Jesus rattles around your head, as you linger on that picture of a God who waits, who loves, who never stops loving, and in case you are of any doubt, can I say there is a place at this table for you. Sometimes we're really good at comparing ourselves to others and and often we come out the lesser. But I want you to know this God who is generous with his love, patient with his love, constant with his love and a heart that forgives isn't just offering this to the person in front of you, beside you or behind you. This story is for us all. I believe God wants to share his life with us. He wants us to enjoy the ups and downs. So as you leave this morning, can you carry two images in your head? The father who, but while he was a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion, and ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the father who sits at this table and invites you to join him, there is space for you. Tablecloth is out cutlery, glasses, plates, napkins. All that is missing is the guests. Will you carry this picture with you? You are welcome. Will you carry the image of the father and the son? You are welcome. As I close here with the welcome, open to each of us to know there's a place at the table, it would be remiss of us if I didn't get us to look outside the building this morning. The story that we've engaged with this morning is the story of a child coming home. And all across our country, there are children who don't know that God. They don't know that there's a father watching out for them. And maybe, maybe we haven't portrayed the best picture of him. Or maybe we haven't yet had the chance to tell that story to every community. But I guess that's why I love my day job. I love that I get to be part of Script Union Northern Ireland. The staff, the vast army of volunteers, we're all trying to tell children and teenagers all across this country that they are welcome at this table. It's a privilege to walk alongside children and young people. It's a privilege to share in their lives. And the table is one of those holy places. 
When children and teenagers sit at a table, the atmosphere changes. It might be a bit louder, might be messier. It also might be more real. We're really good as adults at having a wee bit of a polite facade. But when the questions come, when we really talk, when children and teenagers are at the table, maybe the menu changes, the drinks, but it's precious. There's something really precious that happens when welcome is in our DNA. I'm not sure what you at Fitzroy do for children and young people, so I say keep doing it. Keep creating space for them at the table. Keep supporting people and projects that do. We worship a God this morning who is incredibly welcome. He has open arms for us. How else can we respond but to have open arms for each other? The story of the prodigal son isn't just an old classic. The story needs to become our DNA. Will you be welcoming people? Will you live the ending? Will you tell the story of the father watching out for his children? Will you live the story secure that you have a place at the table? Will your life be safe in his hands, but courageous in how you posture your life for others? Let me pray. God, it is an old story, but let us hear it afresh this morning. Let us hold on to that picture of you waiting, running to greet, arms open. Will we know this is who you are? Help us live this ending. May that be part of who we are. Amen.